Chapter Six. Is she dead? Stormfleet backed off. Tom touched the bird's breast, felt the small heart pumping, and warmth within. No, not dead. What then? I don't know. Was she under Katak's evil sway? Gum looked closely at the silver band, a ring, made for human finger, a large human finger. The metal was soft, thank goodness. Whoever had put it on Kate had pinched it to fit, then folded the excess around the leg. A second time, slipping his nail under the overlap, Gum prized it up gingerly, carefully opened out the circle, then slid it off Kiki's leg. There, Gum thought, if evil tainted that ring, Kiki was now free of its influence. He set the thing onto the grass, and picking up the hawk again, cradled her in his cupped hands. But still the harrier did not stir. Stormfleet leaned down. Will she be all right? We'll soon know, I hope. Gom stroked her feathers, willing her back to wakefulness until at last. Kiki opened her eyes, struggling to stand. Put me down, she said weakly. If you value your skin, Gom set her on the grass, and sat beside her. How are you? Exhausted, that's for sure. Gom held up the ring. Who put this on your leg? Why, Ganesh, of course. Kiki spread her wings stiffly, fluttered them a bit to stretch them out, then folded them back into her sides. Ganesh, when I got to the island, I, I. Kiki's eyes closed again. Kiki, Gom said, then louder. Kiki, oh. Bother the bird! Don't be so ungracious," Stormfleet said. "Come on, tell me we're back. Holgen will be after your hide." Gom looked up, saw how far the sun had moved across the sky. The cedar was right. He slipped Kiki inside his jacket, then stood. Looking down at the ring, winking among the grasses. What are you waiting for? Stormfleet said impatiently. I'm wondering about that ring. Bring it. It must be harmless now, or Ganache would never have placed it on Kiki's leg. That made sense. Gom retrieved it, pressed it flat. Stowed it in his pouch, and leapt aside the Cito's back.
the moment they returned, Falgan ordered Gong to pack. Time to leave for the next village, the wizard said, to be there by nightfall. When they were ready, Gong hoisted KK into his open bag as casually as he could. But the move didn't get past Falgan. What, boy? The wizard peered in. Taken up hawking now? Where did you find it? Over the fields away, sir, Gom said. Did you now? The wizard prodded the harrier, then hastily withdrew his hand. What's the matter with it, anyway? She seems to be exhausted. Hmm. The old man climbed onto Hebron's back. Well, if you would bring it, keep it away from me. I don't like the look of those claws. They rode on. K.K. was still asleep as they reached their stop, and Gom was forced to leave her with the horses. It was hours before he dared slip down to their stall to see how she was. He found K.K. perched on the water pail, drinking thirstily. She had flown from Falden's house non-stop, she said, passing through every village they'd visited on the way. Before that, she'd raced from the north with news from Ganache. Gom's eyes shone at the mention of his ancient friend. How was he? What did he have to say? How did things turn out? Give me breath! K.K. hopped full circle on her perch. I told Ganache exactly what you said. I scarce had the words out of my mouth before swish he was gone. I waited days for further sign of him. Then suddenly he was back in a tidal wave that sent water halfway up the cliffs clear across the crop. He said to tell you the seal stone glows so Quebec could not have come out. That he has sealed the main cabins with stones, both entrances, flooding the place right to the roof. And the hole is set about with Kundalara spells. No man will be down there visiting Katak now. Gom listened intently, remembering his waking dreams in Falcon's workroom. He hadn't been able to decide whether they came as warning or reassurance. Now it seemed they served as both. The green radiance? Hadn't it reminded him at the time of the light from Ganache's scales? Was that what he'd seen then? The main cavern, just filled with Ganache's floodwaters? He recalled the seal stone's red light shining through the water, 
sign that the spoor was still within his small side cave. And now confirmed by Ganache's own word. Yes, a reassurance that all was well. And Gons falling through the floor? That had been the warning to stay well clear. So here we are, Evron said. It's a good thing you sent KK Gom. You know for sure now that Katak can't get out. Nor can men go to him. He's fixed for good. Hmm, Gom wasn't entirely persuaded. What news of Katak did Ganache say? Not drowned for sure. The creature could live indefinitely in water. The swore gave Ganache no sign. But not to worry. Katak was likely too angry to speak. Ganache sends his best wishes to both you and your mother and hopes that you'll visit someday. Until then, he promises to watch that place which he calls the Isle of Lorne. Gon nodded, satisfied, relieved. He fished in his pockets, pulled out the ring. It was fairly mangled now, yet the skull lines were still plain. And this, KK? KK shook out her feathers, took a sip from the pail, raised her head and swallowed. There was a man. A big man. Bigger than you. I'm still a youth, and not so large at that. He came to the island. He went under the cliffs while Ganesh was down there. I watched him go. Gong nodded. He knew that entrance to the cave under the island. He'd used it himself. And then? Ganesh didn't say. But the man never came back up. And when the Kundalara reappeared, he said he wanted you to have that thing as a token of his good faith. He fitted it to my leg to save my beak. KK cocked her head. Ganesh divested it of its evil power. He said to tell you that it now only what it seems. A trinket. Memento of the cavern ceiling. Gon turned the ring over in his hand. The Kundalara collected treasure. In fact, he was a bit of a miser. It was some measure of his regard that he had let it go. Thank you, KK. I shall keep it well. Don't thank me, thank Ganash. As for me, I'm fair-feathered. And tomorrow, so I hear, we go on to Penlangoth. She cocked her head at him. Why? Why does the proud your kinder lord go all the way to Penlangoth to win his bride? Why not the other way around? Oh, I can answer that, Everon said. Your elf would not have crowds of mortals trampling his green woods. More than that, Gon added, 
Islet Kintalan is a closed and secret place like the Dunderfoss. Yurov would not have its whereabouts known to so many people. Why do your kinta take even honoured guests in, blindfolded? It again! Well, I'm not complaining. There'll be so much to see in the lake, lads. Good night! The harrier flew off into the rafters. Gong watched her settle herself to sleep. He looked down at the silver ring. Another man. Too soon for Bokarific, Steve. The worry leapt back. Ganesh may have cut off Katak's cape, but that didn't stop the spoor from reaching into men's thought and bending them to his bidding. Would the evil one find a way at last for them to free him from his deep cave? Those men, seeking out runes and gemstones for Katak. How many? And where? Oh, what is it? Stormfleet said. The wedding! There'll be so much finery. Gold and silver and precious gems. And a grand convening of wizards with their runestones. All the makings for magic met in one place. And not in secret, as at the covenants, but out in the public eye. There is great peril in this. With Katak's cave shut off. Don't count on anything where the spoor's concerned. Danger would be stalking the lake city. Danger greater than any so far. And he, not a wizard by a long chalk. No magic stored in stone or staff. And only the beginnings of mind power. He pressed his hands to his brow. All he had were his everyday wits, and, he patted his pocket, a few grains of dream sand to take a would-be robber unawares. Bidding his friends good night, Gom went to bed. He lay in the dark, unable to sleep. Only the beginnings of mind power. Not Good enough! A wizard born, Harga had called him. Drum sat up guiltily. He had gifts beyond the normal human scope, that he knew. He could bring on a waking dream by sitting anywhere, not just inside Falgan's ring of stones. Of that he was sure, even though he'd never tried. And he could also determine what the vision was to be about. Should he not sit and wish for a vision to tell him where Katak's thought was directed? Gon shuddered. He had felt Katak's probing before, had suffered the spoor's touch. Nothing would induce him to send his thought that way, for fear Katak might sense him.
like a small creature he'd be, poking his head from the tall grasses for fox or weasel. No, he'd bide his time, put his other gifts to use. Safer to learn the writing and numbers, to collect the lore of rock and leaf and root, build up his nature's powers. Safer? But for how long could he afford to shirk from acknowledging his gift, from learning how to use it? A mage born, Hager had said, a long-lived tool. He crossed his legs. Face it, he should start now, tonight. Sit and think of Hager. He took out his crystal, laid it in his palm. All these months, he'd waited for it to summon him back to the crystal stair. Perhaps, perhaps he had the power to make it work, at will. He looked down. He must now try to use his mind the way Folgen had shown him, and try to go there of his own accord. He closed his eyes, then opened them again. The risk. One mistake, and the spore might sense him, find him out. He closed his hand about the crystal. Coward. He'd not reach Hager with his belly to the ground. He composed himself again, pictured his crystal swinging slowly by its chain. Flashing as it caught the light, back and forth, back and forth. Minutes passed, and still he sat steadfastly, keeping the movement of his crystal before him. Then, all at once, the familiar buzz began in his head, keeping his mind Calm as he could, gone sent out the thought. Hager, call your son. Nothing happened. He heard his breath sounding like another's and the blood pulsing in his ears. He shrank his vision to a point and called again. The crystal flared in his inner sight. To his great relief, there came no watery light, but the lovely pearly haze as in his practice visions. He looked about curiously. Hagar? He listened. Nothing. Only the misty light, just like the light around the crystal stair. And, as in that place also, 
no wind, no sound of any living being. He began to grow uneasy. Hager, Hager, can you hear? Out of the mist, gone detected movement. A shadow, a dark smudge. Gone drew in his breath. Hager. Slowly it emerged. A tall shape. An armored warrior. Visor down. Pale green plume waving at its helmet's crest. The armor was dusty, and dull from much use. Yet on the breastplate shone a golden emblem, a hind, rearing like a stag, and sporting a horn on her brow. Even as Gon noted all this, the figure slowly raised the visor with a steely gauntlet, and unseen eyes silently appraised him from the shadow beneath. Gon stood his ground. Who are you? The figure made no move. Are you from my mother? Still no response. Gon grew older. Why you? I called upon my mother. Out of the hollow metal mask came a voice, deep and resonant. Hogger cannot come. Speak to me instead. Nay, where is she? Gum cried. She has not come to harm. She's too far to heed you. Speak, and I will take your message to her. Gum hesitated. How can I be sure? Young man, the voice took on an urgent note. Speak, and fast. The outlines of the armor began to shimmer. Your mind is wavering. Quick, before you lose the link. Gum steadied his mind, and the figure came back into focus. Give me proof. That you are not Kalbard's tool, the figure sighed. I see you have her stubborn will. You who are of the sparrow and the bear, your mother has spoken much of you. She loves you more than anything, I think. If she could, I know she'd be here. But as I said, she's too far down the line. Gum's hand went to the belt 
Padre had given him. He fingered the two creatures forming the pillars of its buckle. Sparrow for Haga, bear for Stig. And you, where are you? How did you hear my call? Another sigh. It would take long, and time is short. Whatever is your message, say it now. God obeyed, telling of his fears. How, even though Ganesh had flooded Katak's cave, men still likely did the spores work. I'm afraid he'll break free before I'm ready. Gom waited, sensing the stranger's keen scrutiny. At last, the warrior spoke. Not strong enough? Not ready? You reached across the void and plucked me, even from the battlefield. The warrior walked from Gom a little way, head down in thought. Gom watched the stranger, puzzled. Void? Battlefield? Was this man up in the stars then? Had Gom reached with his thought even beyond the Stargate? The warrior came back again. You know of the Starstone. Starstone? I see the answers now. The warrior folded his arms. Jasper has a stone. A crystal seed plucked from the very heart of the Tamarithorbeon. He keeps this star stone for you, against the hour when you must take it up against the spore. In the first realm he has it, and I know where. Gum's lips parted. He remembered Jastra at their meeting. The spin northern lord's crystal brow band, big as a thrush's egg. What is this starstone like? What will it do? How should I know? I'm not the mage. Probably enhance whatever power you possess, I'd say. Jasper said you were not ready, but I think you are. Anyway, you have to be. Listen, I'll fetch that stone soon as I can. The figure began to melt at the edges. The voice faded in and out. Pass the line. Reach the gate. Only hold. Wait! Gum shouted, rallying. Come back! But all was mist. Then the mist faded, leaving Gum 
in the dark of his room. He was still sitting cross-legged, stiff with cold. Had he shouted out aloud? Gum held quite still for a minute or so, listening for sound of the wizard stirring next door. Then he slumped over, exhausted. Oh, how could he have lost that link? With great effort, he straightened, closed his eyes again, and willed himself back into the mist, willed the armoured warrior to stand once more before him. But though he sat thus for another hour or more, he got only leg cramps and an aching neck. Frustrated, Gorm slid under the covers and curled up. That warrior has been rather for sure. You reached across the void and touched me, even on the battlefield. In calling on Hager, he had somehow reached to the stars and touched the mind of the alien. But how? And why that one? Had not Hager told Gom that those people had lost their magical powers? Could it be that the warrior still retained some? If so, what great good luck that Gom should chance upon him! With Hager being too far to hear, the warrior was friend, Gom would swear. A man of his word? Only hold on, the warrior had told him. But for how long? It could be years. He lay back on his pillow. What choice had he but to do as the warrior said? Watch and wait. Gon's eyes gleamed. A star stone set aside for him. A star stone, seed, the warrior had called it, from the heart of the prime tamarith itself. Jastra said you were not ready. And Jastra was probably right. Why, the danger of possessing that thing now. Gorm drifted towards sleep. His mother's face came into view. Dark eyes full of concern. Then the warrior stood before him, pale green plume slowly waving in some distant wind. Jastra says you are not ready, but you are. You have to be. Gum turned over. Katak was subtle and cunning beyond measure. He'd given Ganache no sign that he was there.
What if he had been too busy? What if the spoor even now worked to break out of his cave somehow? Gong tossed onto his other side. He was wearing himself out with fear. Three days after, they came in sight of Penlangoth. Within hours, they were travelling the crowded thoroughfares towards Scandibar, the late lord's island citadel. By now, K.K. rode Gom's shoulder in plain sight, chattering non-stop, missing nothing. Why? It's so close to the shore! She exclaimed excitedly. You could almost reach over and touch it! And risk a broken neck, Hedron remarked, looking down over the cliff edge to the narrow wedge of water between island and shore. The citadel was truly an impressive sight. Boat-shaped, like the island on which it was built, it was surrounded by high walls, quite secure from the shore. There were two ways into Scandibar. The first was by the late lord's private drawbridge at the far end of the island, a narrow entrance, lowered only when it was in use. The second was by the wide public drawbridge leading from the main city square. This remained open, though guarded, night and day, the portcullis up. Gom followed Falcon towards the portcullis arch, noting the tall sentries standing to attention, pikes cocked, watching all who would go in and out. Uh, the last time Gom had come to Penlangoth, Leochtor's soldiers had combed the entire city for him on Eurov's behalf. As they passed under the portcullis, Gom sat up straight, braced for trouble. But no one gave him a second glance, as Wizard was recognised and greeted with great ceremony and conducted inside under the grand portal. Gom was left with the horses. A knot of youths stood about the stable door. As Gom led the horses over, they turned towards him. Who are you? What's your name? Ah, oh, fine. Who are you with? Gon drew himself up. My name is Gon Gobblechuck. I come with Fulgan. They looked at one another, then eyed him up and down in awe. Fulgan? And still going? One muttered. This long? How did you do it? said another. You haven't said your names, Gom reminded them. A red-headed boy spoke up. Medium high, Gom came to his shoulder. I'm Orphan, 
I come with my grim Thurgerall. Gon nodded. The Grand Archimage. What's he like? Arfin shrugged. He's a hard master, but kinder than yours. Everybody laughed nervously. Gon turned to Arfin's neighbour. A stocky lad with sallow face and bright gold hair. And you? Hillary. I'm bound to Blairfield Bledge. More laughter. This time, not nervous at all. An easy time he has of it, Arfin said. His master is easy as a pudding. He gets the others to do his work. A third lad peeled himself from the wall. The one who had called gone half-pint. Big as a barn and strong. Beard already sprouting. Yet he smiled affably enough. Dingle at your service, he said, making a fancy bow. I'm for Bodra, so I mind my manners. Not like these bumpkins. A fourth looked up. A girl, freckled, plump, friendly, with wide open grin. So be at your service. Don't mind them. I'm with Meister Marguerite. Gon looked beyond, wondering if Matt were anywhere around. As if in answer, a figure emerged from the stable shadows. Come, my dear chap, my old friend. Matt strolled out into the sunshine. Gon ignored the outstretched hand. Good day, he said stiffly, remembering their last encounter. He turned back to the others. Nice to meet you. See you all later, he said, then went on, aware of Matt's injured stare. He walked the horses through the stable door toward a groom's beckoning arm. Outside, a murmur came. Then Matt's voice raised in reply. What was Matt saying? Gone hated to think. In here, lad, in here. The groom held open a double stall door. My, that's a fine room. Meister Folgans, as I recall. The man looked Stormfleet over in mock disbelief, and that... K.K. stretched her wings to their full extent, then opened her hooked beak wide. Is yours, I take it? The groom backed off, his eye on the bird. K.K. fluttered noisily to perch not too far above his head. Without another word, the groom helped Gom take off the horse's tack and hang it up. We got to go, he said at last, setting down the horse's water pail. You manage your bags all right, lad? He nodded to the gear lying by the stall door. There's a guard waiting outside to show you to Falgan's quarters. It's a bit of a fuss walking them great halls. But don't let it scare you. 
After that, you're out of it. Below stairs with the rest of us low types. Smiling reassurance, the groom took himself off. Gom turned to his friends. Will you be comfortable for a while? Fine, Stormfleet assured him. Go, before Falgan comes looking for his things. We'll keep ourselves good company. The guard, in helmet and plumes, stood waiting, pike upraised, putting Gom for a startled moment in mind of the Spindraven warrior. The soldier saluted solemnly and gestured Gom to walk beside him. An odd couple they must look, the tall escort striding with long and measured tread, and he, Gom, his staff slung across his back, the two heavy packs in either hand, going almost at a trot to keep up. The stable yard was now quiet and empty. Matt and the rest were gone. That night, Fulgan was to attend a banquet in honour of the bride and groom. The wizard would not require anything until the morrow, he said. In the meantime, Gorm was to stay in the servants' quarters, be seen and not heard, and otherwise behave himself. If you please, sir, may I go into the city? Falgan frowned. Indeed you may not. All apprentices are confined to Scandibar. But... Gorm looked at the old man in dismay. I mean no mischief, sir. I only wish to visit old friends. It would be quite harmless. The wizard's eyes narrowed. He was growing annoyed. For a moment, Gon thought the wizard would dismiss him summarily. But then the old man bade him sit. He took out his cherry wood, rammed tobacco shreds into the bowl. My boy, thieves are abroad. Bold men who'd steal not only gold or purse, but the very power that a wizard wields. If you or one of the other boys should fall into those men's hands, there's no telling what harm may result. If once word that Falgan's apprentice is loose out there, these men would find you and, well, who knows, you'd be lucky to get off with your life. Thieves? Old men? This was bad news indeed. That Falcon was aware of this new danger gave Gom some comfort, but not much. None of the wizards could begin to guess its full extent. 
Perhaps he should stay in the citadel, as the wizard said. And yet, he badly wanted to see Essie and Carrick just once. Sir, he said, who will know me? Or that I'm off Scandibar, if no one tells. Silence, boy! Fulgan stood up angrily. He made to say more. Then his eyes grew sharp. You wouldn't be sneaking off to see your mother. Why, no, sir, I swear. There are friends down in the fisherman's quarter. I'd be quite safe there. Hmm. Fulgan stroked his beard. Listen. You have worked reasonably well. Better than most of the idiots it has been my lot to bear. Promise me this, that you'll not reveal yourself to these friends of yours, that you'll not speak to anyone, anyone, friend or stranger. If you promise me this, then you may go out until the midnight hour. Well, not speak, not reveal himself. But that was grossly unfair. What would be the point of going? Bomb stood up, minded to refuse the wizard's offer. It's not just your neck. In allowing you even this much, I go against the ruling of the hierarchy, young man. Well, do you swear? Fulgan was being inordinately kind, Gon realized. Taking a risk to offer him even this much. Gon thought of Essie in her parlour and Carrick on the settle by the fire. If he refused the offer, he'd not see his friends for another six years. Surely, just to glimpse them, even if he might not let them know that he was there. He nodded slowly. I swear, sir. Very well, boy. But be back by midnight. You hear? Gom heard. And taking up his staff and pack, he fled. The waiting guard led him down a series of high and hollow halls. Then along a passage toward a staircase leading down. They were almost there when a voice called behind them. Gone? Gone? Gobblechuck? Gone turned. Gone Gobblechuck it is. By all that's strange and marvellous, whatever are you doing here?